here yes i am right here right here right here i'm with you and uh just uh tidying up a few little things here as we get into our morning so um that is a fantastic praise we're reading a praise here in the comments right out of the gate uh that uh Theodore doesn't have to have surgery, so we praise God together with with Grammy and with Mom and Dad and uh, Grampy and the family, uh, just praising God for that answer to prayer. Uh, thanks for sharing that out of the gate first thing here this morning, and uh, so thankful to see how God answers our prayers, absolutely. So... Um, 
We are going to be in the book of Luke today. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 7 uh, is where we'll be finding ourselves looking at Jesus doing more miracles, meeting more needs, taking care of more people, um, doing those types of things in such a way that uh, further substantiates his identity. So if you're following along in your own Bible, Luke chapter 7 uh, is where we're going to be picking up at verse 1 this morning. And I mean, this prayer uh, praise item that we're sharing here goes right along with the text in many ways because Jesus met the needs. And in fact, in this um, first story, we're going to see how a servant was uh, ministered to. Uh, someone came, uh, a centurion came uh, on behalf of his servant for whom he cared and uh, brought the request to Jesus, and Jesus met the need much the way that you uh, brought the request for your grandson, uh, and we prayed, and Jesus met the need there as well. So Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, here we go. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this, and remember the teaching that we had given yesterday, his confrontation of the religious folk and what he had to, to say to them. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I mean, notice the humility with which this man uh, in, implores Jesus um, to take care of his servant, but says, I don't want to trouble you, Lord. Verse 7, uh, that is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now notice the faith here. He has incredible faith. You just say the word, and it will happen. It says, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and it goes. Uh, and to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And what he's saying is that, uh, Jesus, if you speak to this illness, uh, it has to come under your authority. He is acknowledging, really, the lordship authority of Christ. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I mean, this this story um, underscores for us what it means to have faith, what it means to have faith in God's sovereignty, what it means to have faith in God's ability and the ability of Jesus in the situations in our lives. And sometimes we'll live many, many years uh, in oops in our Christianity, and we begin to um, weaken in our faith. 
And this, for me today, is a good fortification, a good reminder uh, uh, of trusting God, of bringing situations to God and trusting God with those situations and watching God work, believing that all circumstances are under the authority of Christ uh, and that Christ will do what Christ will do uh, and um, we will be the beneficiaries of of his sovereignty, of his work, of his care. The issue is, do we bring him our burdens? The issue is, do we bring him our needs? Do we trust him? Do we believe, honestly, that what he says uh, will happen will, in fact, happen? That is, that is a question with which we must wrestle. Um, and some of us have lived Christianity, lived our Christianity a long time. We're, we're very secure in our salvation. We believe the Bible, but sometimes we don't exercise faith um, because we see this man exercising faith. Now, now I want to just say, I know that some people, when they hear the idea exercise faith, get all weirded out and think that think of the prosperity gospel. Friends, we, we have to be careful that we're not overreactionary because here we see a man exercising faith and we see Jesus commending the man to other people, to, to the crowd that was following him, saying about this man, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And this man was trusting Jesus to heal his servant. We have to be careful that we don't overreact to um, because that, that, that's just as dangerous to overreact to what we might perceive as false teaching or errant teaching. Uh, and, and it happens all the time. And, and I've been watching it. I mean, I've seen overreaction even since before I was a Christian. Uh, I became a Christian in 1980, and there was overreaction in the 1970s taking place uh, in response to what was then dubbed the charismatic movement. Uh, And so some overreacted. And if you even whispered the Holy Spirit, people became suspicious of you. If you said Holy Spirit, they'd raise their eyes and kind of look at you a little bit like, are you one of those people? Well, anyway, um, we have to be careful that we don't overreact because then what happens is we don't apply faith as as the Bible does, in fact, inst- instruct us to apply faith, to trust God for situations. Um, back in, in Matthew chapter 7, and we didn't, we didn't look at this yesterday, but I, I'm going to go back uh, for just a moment and look at, uh, we talked about judging others, uh, and, and not being a hypocrite. But then there was this in Matthew chapter 7, these words of Jesus. And, and and they become kind of challenging for us because sometimes we do pray and we do pray and we do pray. And it's like, I'm I'm not seeing God come through. Um, God answers, yes, no, wait. Um, and that's a trite little answer that we have. But sometimes the fact of the matter is we are in our own way and, and God answering our prayers or we're asking with wrong motives we're asking to uh with motives that uh, to make us look good uh rather than to make Jesus look good and sometimes the motives are ill placed and God just says I'm not going to do that or you know um 
you're not lighting yourself up with me as you need to line yourself up with me, and so I'm not going to hear your prayer. Um, if I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Psalm 66 verse 18 says that. And yet, we have to remember the Bible also teaches things like this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened to you. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is willing to give us good gifts. God is willing to, to meet us where we are. He is willing to uh, answer our prayers. Uh, and, and you notice how much uh, importunity is placed in verse 7, ask. So there's the, the idea of asking. Then there's the seeking, the looking for the answer. And then there's the knocking. It says, ask, seek, knock, uh, kind of the importunity. I think I messed up my camera when I knocked on my desk and made my camera move. Uh, but the uh, the importunity, how how much we come before God and say, God, would you please do this on my behalf? And so, you know, I, I would come to you this morning and would say, what areas of life do you need to be asking, seeking, and knocking? And I would ask you, how how can you or how can I, how can we uh, better align ourselves with God so that God would gladly answer our prayers? What types of things do you need to bring before God? Uh, I mean, for me, a lot of it has to do with financial things, uh, both in the life of the church, uh, the life of the school, uh, and then even further opportunities uh to, to help us engage more globally in, in travel uh, invitations to places like uh, South Sudan and Uganda and Kenya, uh, or travel opportunities to go to places like Guatemala or uh, Colombia, uh, or travel opportunities to go to places like Romania. Uh, but th those travel opportunities, and so for me, much of it relates around those areas of seeing God provide in absolutely phenomenal ways uh, for our ministry at Veracity, for our ministry at New England Bible College, uh, and and then for the broader ministry of both of those and, and, and the outreach that can take place to places like I just mentioned. Um, so I am challenged in my own being by the centurion uh, to trust God. Uh, I am challenged in my being to, uh, by these verses in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, uh, and what it has to say to us here, uh, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, and knock and the door will be opened. Uh, what would you need if you, if you were to put something in the comments? Maybe you, you can't put it in your comments. Maybe it's far too personal to put in the comments. I mean, I, I see something here that could be turned 
into a prayer request just for uh, insurance coverage or the coverage of uh, medications. Uh, that could be a prayer request and something that you would say, God, would you please take care of this on my behalf? So I, I just uh, encourage you to, to think about those things, those areas uh, where perhaps you have need and need to see God come through on your behalf uh, and see what God would do uh, on your behalf. Looking to God, trusting God, believing in God and what God would do for you. Just those thoughts. What what do you need to see God do? What what do you need to pray that God would do? And you know, how can we pray together for God to to work on your behalf? Um, prayer requests. I I've given you some. I, there's some right here, and it's not only me, but uh, pray for finances. Uh, pray for finances for uh, medications for some people. Uh, and for insurance to be agreeable. Uh, sometimes it, that is an irritation to me. Sometimes people, uh, insurance uh, companies think they know better than your medical doctor, and that's so irritating. shouldn't be that way. We're, we're so upside down on, on these things in, in our country. Um, finances, church finances. Pray for candy. There's something. Pray for like a whole dump truck load of candy. Uh, here uh, for Trunk or Treat. Um, pray as, as we navigate. Uh, it, it's a, it is a difficult time right now. Uh, it is difficult uh, financially. Uh, people that have had major investments, some have lost uh, 25%, 30% of their investments. So, you know, a, a person that maybe had a million dollars of investment lost Two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars in this last quarter, uh, and that impacts lots of things. Uh, rising uh, interest rates uh, for home buyers, and and just you know, I think of people that are uh, buying homes, selling homes. I think of realtors. I think of bankers. I think of appraisers. I think we just came through all that ourselves. You know, um, I, I think about you know how the, the volatility of market and what the impact of that could be. And so we pray. We, we learn to come before God in prayer. And and I, I wish I could sit here. I'm just being honest. I wish I could sit here and say, I'm your stellar model of uh, faithful prayerfulness when there are needs. Uh, friends, I am convicted this morning that I am not as prayerful as I need to be in trusting God for things. As we have read, again, these verses, uh, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, he who seeks, finds, to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, though, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Let us pray. Let us pray that God will give the good gifts what God asks. And here's the prayer request. Pray pray my insurance comes through and covers the new medication. It's the right one. Eventually not need this medication. So, Lord, we do pray. We, we come together and agree in prayer. 
We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, asking that you would, in fact, come through, that the insurance would cover this medication. We pray that it is, in fact, the right medication. We, we know problems that happen when medications aren't what we need, and that it, it makes sense that the, the medical practice would say this is the medication you need, but then that doesn't work, in fact, goes the opposite direction. So, Lord, we're praying that you would come through uh, in this particular request that is here in our comments this morning. Lord, we agreed together in prayer that you would meet uh, that need of this request. And, Lord, thank you for the testimonies that God saw. So another person through a very difficult time, God answered prayers. And yet I know this person had to wait on God uh, for those answers to prayer. Uh, it wasn't like you, you prayed and boom, instantaneously, there was a season, a lengthy season of having to wait to see how God would answer your request. And God did come through for you and you share that testimony. So, uh, and we had the testimony already of uh, from another person just talking about the prayer for the grandson and how that prayer was answered. And so we, we can be so encouraged by the answers to prayer that we have just read, and it should also motivate us to continue being prayerful people, um, bringing our requests before the Lord. Now, this began in Luke chapter 7, seeing the request of a centurion, uh, seeing the faith of the centurion, seeing that the centurion understood that all things came under Christ's authority. The centurion said, I have people under my authority, and they must do what I tell them. And so, Jesus, you have things under your authority, and those things must do what you tell them to do. Well, then we continue on, and we see another uh, story here. And these aren't like just stories that just like nice little stories. These are these are factual events, historical events that really did happen. So we read in verse eleven, Luke chapter seven. So afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. I mean, they're in mourning, and here's this mother and uh, her only son. Uh, she's a widow. She has no one, uh, and her heart is broken. And it says this, verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Now, you think about this. Uh, yeah, right. Tell a woman whose son just died, don't cry, don't sob. Uh, I mean, that, that seems like heartless, does it not, the words that he says? But then he says this next little bit. He went up, touched the coffin. Those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, I, I just want to stop at verse thirteen, uh, verse 15 for just a moment. Why is it notable that not only did the dead man set up, but began to talk? Sometimes when people are in this state for too long, like oxygen-deprived or that type of a thing, 
there is brain injury. Had he been uh, like in a comatose type situation uh, and maybe even thought to be dead or even dead, when when oxygen is cut off for the brain, it it impairs brain function. So it would be possible that a man would be able to set up like this, but his mind would be mush. The fact that he sat up and began to talk is a further indicator of the power of Jesus Christ because Jesus overcame whatever uh, impairment could have been uh, could have been a part of the result of this man's situation of his death brain uh, oxygen not being delivered to the brain uh, causing him to not be able to speak, to not be able to remember, to not be able to do the variety of different functions that the brain drives, uh, including uh, th- those involuntary functions of heartbeat and breath and things of that nature. The fact that the dead man sat up and began to talk further underscores the power of Christ over nature. And the, the power of Christ, not only over nature, but the power of Christ to reverse ill effects uh, of things like a brain being deprived of oxygen. Christ can impact your situation, whatever whatever it needs, whatever your situation calls for. Christ has the ability to reverse engineer uh, what seems problematic, what seems without hope, what seems a, a situation of despair. What seems impossible, Jesus is able to turn that around. I'm thinking of a situation now, that, and I can't get into the specifics of it. Had a very disheartening day on Wednesday uh, in in conversation with somebody, and uh, I mean it, the conversation was great, but the conclusion, the decision was disheartening, and uh, to think about how God can turn that around. So I just need to pray that God would turn that around. That that needs to be my prayer. Prayerfulness, trusting God for what God will do in these circumstances. And and again, I've said to you already, what are the needs in your life that you need to bring to Christ? What situations do you need to see Christ turn around in in your circumstance? Now, I just noted a comment. Somebody said this seems absolute. I mean, the impairment of oxygen to the brain. Now, they probably wouldn't have called it that in that day, but in our modern day and understanding how oxygen affects the brain and so on and so forth, um, I mean, it seems like this this death was absolute. Uh, and, and even if the death weren't absolute, even if he were nearly dead and not really dead, the impact of lack of oxygen to the brain should have had a significant and serious impact on this Man And yet he sat up at the words of Jesus and began to talk. And it says, Jesus gave him back to his mother. So if if you're going to say something like, don't cry, like Jesus said, you better be able to deliver something really great like Jesus also did. Um, And we don't have that ability. But, But I say to you, what is your situation? There's the servant and there's the son. The servant was healed. The son was brought back to life underscoring the the absolute authority of Jesus Christ over nature, 
over circumstances, over situations, the, the absolute ability of Jesus Christ to reverse engineer, to reverse the course, to reverse the impact of negative circumstances. And how we need to do that in our own lives, to, to trust God to be able to reverse circumstances. Now, you might not want to put it in the prayer request. It might be far too personal to you, but but if there were something that you were to put in the prayer request, what would it be? What do you need to see in your life that God would reverse engineer? I, I There's a couple things in my life. One, one is, and I, I will talk about it freely, I, I mean, I am... Um, concerned about where our finances are currently uh, in the life of our church. I am concerned about raising finances for New England Bible College. Uh, and both in this current environment, I think, are challenging things. And, and I am uh, emboldened this morning to make sure, and I'm reminded this morning to make sure that I am trusting God and praying to God and looking to God for what God will do in meeting those needs. And in the midst of that, also saying, God, what are you saying? Because sometimes God allows circumstances because he's trying to teach us something or he's trying. Sometimes he's wanting us to go one direction and we're trying to pull a different direction. What is the direction? How do we bring ourselves? How do we wait before God and say, God, what do you want me to learn in this circumstance? How do you want me to change in this circumstance? And yet sometimes we are pushed right up against it. Our backs are against the wall. Our our emotions are flatlined, uh, or worse, where our emotions are dipped below, um, just just z- below the earth, below zero. We're, we're not just neutral on our emotions; we're discouraged on our emotions, and we need to come to God and say, "God, I'm coming to you and asking for you to turn things around." That that is our prayer, and so I I. I what do you need to do? What do I need to do today? Uh, a, I need to finish my study, my walk like Jesus study. Uh, and by the way, I, I just want to share with you if if uh, I things change. Uh, I've done the book uh, before, uh, but they have beefed things up over the last few years in in what uh, is offered online. And if you do the Like Jesus app. And just do like Jesus. Uh, do Google search on that. Join with your own email. Set up your own account. Then uses the use the church's code, which we have V E R A all capitals V E R A all caps slash or dash little dash between the two ninety one seventy. That that's the church code. Uh, you can even do the, the the like Jesus study online. Um, uh, on your laptop, on your computer. That's what I have done this week in the last few days. And I thought, man, this is great. I like that even better than writing in a book uh, in this particular instance. So you can participate, you can grow, you can you can study, you can dig in. And and for the record, we are offering a, a Sunday night Zoom option for those who maybe can't get out or those who live away like uh, those who live down in um, Virginia or Pennsylvania or Texas. And uh, I, I, there will be a, the same meeting every week, I, I believe. Uh, it should get you into the same. Uh, I will make sure and send that link and put that link out there uh, 
just to be able to join my my personal link each week on Sunday night at six o'clock, a way to jump in. I, I'm just encouraged by the people who are jumping in and participating. What have you learned here this morning? Where have we been challenged? Uh, and and John sends disciples, uh, or some of John's disciples go to Jesus. And I'm just going to go a little bit further in text. And they, he said, uh, John's disciples told him about these things. This is John's disciples, John the Baptist. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord and, and said, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. He replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And after John's messengers left. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John and said, What did you see in the desert? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, and Jesus is speaking of himself. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' word, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. To what then can I compare the people this generation? What are they like? They are like the children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge. You did not cry. For John the, ba- John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. You say here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her children. And, and so, I mean, they were rejecting they were saying John is too much of a fundamentalist. And they're saying Jesus is too much of a liberal. I mean, I, I can hear those types of delineations, that type of labeling being given to John the Baptist and to Jesus, them saying those types of things about John the Baptist and about Jesus uh, in those types of ways. And here we see that description of Jesus in verse 34. Here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Why would they say that about him? And uh, here's, a ta- here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, probably because he was eating with the people he was eating with and perhaps drinking with the people he was drinking with. Um, but then he goes on and says, oh, uh, wisdom is proved right by her children. Last piece, Luke 7. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, perhaps Nicodemus. So he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at the table. Get that up on the screen where you can see it. It says, when the woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him in his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and 
poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said, if this man were prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's that kind of woman, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You judge correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? So Jesus is looking at the woman, and he's talking to Simon. I came into your house. You didn't give me water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You do not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. The feet, an act of humility. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. His ability to forgive sin. He, he knew he knew who, with whom he was dealing. He knew her background. He knew her life story. And yet, what does he do by the end of the story? He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He says, your sins are forgiven. And friends, I mean, for you to, to understand that, that your sins are forgiven, that you can go in peace. Don't We do not have the right, in my estimation, to hold our sins over ourselves when God himself has forgiven our sins. When we have come to God and asked God for forgiveness and he has granted that forgiveness, and then yet we don't want to forgive ourselves, who are we? to not be willing to forgive ourselves if the God of all heaven and earth, the God of all creation, uh, is able to forgive us, we need to be able to forgive ourselves. I mean, what an inspirational morning. The inspiration to faith, the inspiration of forgiveness, the inspiration of, uh, of God reversing the course of things, uh, the, the inspiration of God in the moment uh, healing that servant, uh, understanding that the faith of the centurion, the mother didn't indicate any faith, and yet Jesus gave her faith by raising her son. What would Jesus do for us? And then, then what we looked at back in Matthew chapter 7, ask, seek, knock. Lord, help us to look to you. Help us to be emboldened to trust you in the various circumstances in our lives, whether it's medicine or money or or whatever our circumstance, whether it, it's relationships, uh, Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. Give us faith. Increase our faith. Increase our prayerfulness. Increase our faith in you to trust you in these circumstances. As we come to the end of our hour, we do pray for those in, in Florida those impacted by hurricanes there or those impacted in Central America by hurricanes, Lord, hear our prayer. For those impacted in Ukraine, uh, Lord, hear our prayer that you would bring 
the gospel, that you would bring peace, that you would bring healing, that you would bring help, that you would bring hope, that you would bring salvation to these places, Lord, and that you'd meet the very real physical needs that are taking place. Lord, we look to you today. Increase our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. Well, friends, I will see you over the weekend. Reminder, there is a men's breakfast tomorrow. There is a meeting out at Camp Fairhaven at 10 o'clock. And then events, I think, begin at 1 o'clock for kind of a fall festival type thing that Fairhaven is offering. So uh, have a great day, everyone. I will see you over the weekend.